Connecting family and welcome to the broadcast this morning. Thank you, worship team, for leading us into the presence of the King and giving us the opportunity to just praise His name. And the scripture says that the Lord sits enthroned upon shouts of praise. Sometimes we just have to do more than sing. Sometimes we just have to do a little shouting in the process. But welcome this morning. I, my, my role today is to introduce the preacher. And I, I want to do that in this way. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10 says this, Despise not the day of small beginnings, for the Lord delights to see the work begin. The Lord delights to see the work begin. So despise not the day of small beginnings. The, the day of beginning is no less significant than the day of celebration, the day of completion. Here, here's where I'm going with that. Just a few days ago, the, the last weekend of May, of this May, just a few, few days ago, over 14 million people listened to the gospel being preached by our brother, Sammy Tippett, as he was, it was translated, he preached, but there were, there were, other, there were translations being given in a, in a number of different languages, specifically targeting areas around the world that, that are so desperately in need of hearing the gospel of Jesus. Many of you joined with us in praying. We sent that word out that, that this was coming up as we headed into that weekend, and there were just so many of you, Alamo City family, who, who joined in to pray. Here's, here's the report. Over 14 million heard the gospel. Thousands, multiple thousands of ones who heard the gospel called in and let uh, the Sammy Tippett Ministries group know, but also the partners that they share with around the world know of, of their decision. There were these many different language groups that heard the gospel. It was spoken, it was preached in Arabic, Urdu, Portuguese, Hindi, Persian, Punjabi, Romanian, Russian, Italian, Farsi, Spanish, and English. And amazingly, the largest number of viewers during that weekend came from the Arabic Facebook page. Over 732,000 people from Algeria, Liberia, Iraq, Egypt, and Morocco heard the gospel and let it be known that they were watching. Where in the world did that all get started? Well, for years, Sammy and those of us who know and have loved him and prayed for him in Texas over these years, Sammy has cultivated relationships with, with ministry partners, with pastors and, and churches and, and lay leaders and, and small church group leaders in, in various parts of, of the world in difficult places. So this network of relationships has, um, is something that, that is amazing. But the one thing that was lacking was a way to figure out how to tap Facebook and the social media and get the word out using those means. It, you wouldn't have to have a massive stadium crusade, which Sammy's done a, a whole bunch of those over the years. But in this way that, the, that, that um, the means of getting the gospel out can be so portable by using the social media technology we have, how could we do that? I remember at a board meeting 
Um, Sammy was saying, this is on my heart. I, I feel like we can do more than what we're doing, but I don't know that, that it's going to be possible to make these trips into all these different countries physically and set up these meetings. Sometimes we have opposition from government. Sometimes we're threatened with terrorists wanting to blow up the stadium and so forth. About that time, about that time, this was, this was probably three years ago, about that time, our senior associate pastor, Jerry Smith, and you, you all will know him and, and um, love him and Lida. Jerry came to me and he said, he said, David, I feel like I just need to try something. And, 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 and here's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be sitting on the front row and you're going to be on the platform and you're going to be preaching. And I'm going to be standing, sitting there holding my phone. And I'm going to be live streaming it to my Facebook group. I just feel like we got to try that. We just need to see. At that point in time, folks, there wasn't anybody. There were no churches virtually live streaming their services. Jerry sits there and he holds that phone. I don't know how he did it because you know our services go three or four or five hours. A preacher doesn't ever want to shut up. But he sat there and held that phone and then he did it again and he started getting responses. Folks started saying, you know, we felt like we were there. We couldn't come because we were out of town, but my goodness, that's a good thing. That thing continued to build. Finally, he got a tripod, you know, so he wouldn't have to hold it and his hand give out. But it has morphed. That was almost four years ago. That was in December of 2016. All right, so as time went on and Jerry continued to tweak that and work with that and be in touch with the Facebook folks, and, and we, we began to, to develop what has come to be a regular process, a regular doing of our services on, on, on Sunday now. So much now that, that you, can, you can get these live streaming services on your smart TV if you want to. We've, we've been able to add to the technology and, and, and get it better. And, and if they would just get to better, get better preaching, it'd just be all, all kinds of good. But they, they've been able to work on it. And, and, it's, and it's amazing. So somewhere in there, and I'm, let, me, let, me, let me wrap this up. Somewhere in there, I was at a board meeting in, 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 with Sammy's board group, and I've been a part of that for 20 years or so. I heard Sammy say, uh, talk about this vision, but how do we do it? How do we tap in? And immediately, Jerry's face just rose up in my heart. I said, Sammy, you need to talk to Jerry Smith. Some way, he's figuring out some ways to do this, and it's blowing up. It's getting legs, and it's moving, and, and God's blessing it, and, and maybe there's something that he could help you with in figuring out how to do. Sammy already had the network working in Brazil and in the, in, in the Arabic-speaking parts of the world, in Africa, different places where this latest massive translation and outreach would go. But what he needed was that very, very vital technical part of how do you do it, how do you utilize Facebook. Those two got together. Let me tell you something about it. Both of those boys are in their 70s. Hello, hello. Both of them are in their 70s. You know, you get to looking around and somehow, and I'm there, I'm there. I am technically challenged. But when I hear Sammy talk about how this, this can happen, I, I was able to figure out how to do it with Jerry's help. And Jerry communicates with these Facebook people that are the 20, 30-somethings, and like he's, he, he comes up with stuff that they hadn't even figured out, hadn't even thought through yet. You're never too old. You're never too old, never too young when God has his hand on you. 
And, and I know I'm going, going long and, and, and all that, but I, I, folks, you need to hear this. You, Sammy is going to come. The next voice you're going to hear when I, when I get quiet after we pray for him is going to be our brother, Sammy Tippett, our evangelist to the world. God has called him. God continues to use him. But I want you to know, I want you to, to celebrate and thank the Lord with us that what was able to happen the last weekend of May had in a very real sense a degree of origin with Alamo City where Sammy was able to learn from what Jerry Smith had been learning and was able to teach him and speak to him. And so it ultimately went out to 14 million people in parts of the world that you and I could never go. Isn't that something? Then we say, well, when's the Lord coming? When, in Je when is Jesus coming again? Here's one of the signs that Jesus left. When the gospel of the kingdom is preached throughout the nations of the world, then the end will come. We are contributing to the bringing back of Jesus the Savior every time we are participating in getting the gospel out. Those of you who have been able to both prayerfully support and financially support we've been, what we've been doing over these last years through Alamo City and as you have supported Sammy Tippett, bless you for what you have been doing and bless you for your your heartfelt desire to be a part of kingdom work. Lord, I ask you to bless Sammy as he opens the word. Set your fire fresh in his heart, Lord. Let him know all over again what it is to be baptized with your spirit and with fire. And let him know that as he preaches, he's not preaching to folks. He's not speaking to folks who, who are waiting to be entertained or who are trying to give him a grade for what he's going to say. Our hearts are wide open. Our spirits are wide open to what you want to say to us through our brother. Use him, Lord. Use him. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Bless you, Sammy. Love you. Amen, David. I love you too, brother. Thank you so very much. And, uh, oh, I tell you, you know, David said something there in the introduction that uh, I, I don't think we hear a lot of, but I, it's, I think it's vitally important. And that is, he talked about learning in, in the 70s, when you're in your 70s and you're learning. And, and uh, one of the things uh, for me personally is that a disciple of Jesus, what is a disciple of Jesus? Well, the word disciple simply means a learner, someone who is learning. And I want all of my life to be learning of Jesus. I want to be growing in the knowledge of Jesus. I want to learn more of him. And I want to learn how to share him with other people. I, I want to learn until the day I die how to know him, how to love him, how to serve him, how to share the, the love of God with a world that is so needy. And so we are all learners, and I hope that you will be a learner. I, you know, and anything I can learn to, to help me to share the good news of God's love with other people because our world is such a needy world. Our people around the world are hurting, and I know a Savior. I know the one who gives us hope and joy and fulfillment in life. And so I want to be a learner of that. I, um, I have a friend who I was on a, in a conference with about, um, oh, 12 or so years ago. Uh, David knows him. In fact, David was his student. Uh, he was a professor at Southwestern uh, Seminary, 
uh, Dr. Roy Fish, and he and I were at a conference together, and the conference was basically centered around the celebration of 150 years anniversary of the 1858-59 revival that took place in America. It was called the Great Prayer Revival because there was a there was a calamity on Wall Street and 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 the center of the you know, basic uh, economic district of New York City. And there was a man by the name of Jeremiah Lamphere. And Jeremiah Lamphere began to ask people to join him in a prayer meeting and to pray for revival in in, in the city. And Jeremiah Lamphere, at first, the it, it looked it looked pretty bleak and desolate because no one showed up and he was all by himself in this prayer meeting. Then one by one, a few people came in and that prayer meeting eventually just exploded to thousands of people in the financial district of New York City begin to gather daily at noon and pray and seek God and ask God to send a mighty revival. And God did send a revival, and it spread. You read the newspaper articles during those days, and it was an amazing thing that took place. In the middle of a dark time, a dark season, God came and visited his people. Well, Dr. Fish, Dr. Roy Fish, was a historian of the great revivals. And he had written a book on this revival filled with statistics of various transformations that had taken place in the culture, in society, and in churches. It was, it was an amazing thing that took place. And so Dr. Fish was somewhat of an expert on this, so to speak. And, and so Dr. Fish had written about this, and, and he was speaking, giving sort of historical documentation of everything. And I was one of the speakers. And one day they had a question and answer period of time where people could ask questions to the speakers. And someone asked Dr. Fish a question. Now, this was about 12 years ago. And they said, Dr. Fish, do you see any hope for revival today? And Dr. Fish talked about <laughs> the situation in churches, and he talked about the situation in our culture and our day. And then he said, to be honest, I only see one hope for revival. And that hope is this, that we have become hopeless. God normally sends revival throughout history when his people become hopeless so that their only hope is in God himself. <laughs> Dr. Fish has gone on to be with the Lord since then. But think about that, 12 years ago. He said that was our only hope. If that's the case 12 years ago, how much more so is it today? Our only hope is in Jesus Christ. And I believe that, that we are on the verge of a great move of God. What we saw, what David described when just, just a few weeks ago in preaching and uh, to 14 million people, and, and I'm telling you, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people heard the gospel, responded to the gospel, and it says to me that there is a great hunger that in the midst of the darkness, people are looking for the light, the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I believe that we could be on the verge of a great revival. And you say, Sammy, I just don't see it. I just don't see that. Well, when, when we understand that God 
often sends revival, sends a, a move of his spirit, pours out his spirit during seasons of darkness. When, when things get so dark that the only place we have to look is up, we are in a position to see God send a great revival. Now, I want to say to you that uh, my heart breaks this morning. I have nine friends who have had or do have the coronavirus. Two of them have died. My wife and I, on March 11th, just two days before a national emergency was officially and formally declared, my wife and I had lunch with a couple um, I hadn't seen in many years, and uh, we just great reunion getting together with them, and, and we, we had lunch together there at their place, and and uh, then two days later, this was in Louisiana, and two days later, a national emergency was declared. We came back to San Antonio here, and, uh, and then I heard just a couple of days after that that the couple we had lunch with, that the wife had been diagnosed with the COVID virus. Within a couple of weeks, she died. Her husband got the COVID virus. He almost died. He survived. His son, right now, and I would ask you to pray for him, is struggling for his life with the virus because he took care of his dad while his mom was in the hospital. Eight of my nine friends are in ministry or were in ministry. Two who died were in ministry. This is a sad time. And that, that's just my little circle. All around the world, I can tell you, all around the world, this thing has, has spread. It just, it's, it's an amazing thing. Who would have thought one year ago we would have been seeing what we're seeing today? There, there's a time of darkness, and, and a lot of questions are being asked, and there seems like more hate and anger from so many different directions, and frustration is just emerging. Oh, we need revival. We need a move of the Spirit of the living God. Well, there's a book in the Bible that talks about that. It's the book of Hosea, and that's the book I want to speak to you from this morning. I believe the message from Hosea is, is very appropriate for us today. And, and so I want to speak to you from the book of Hosea. There are a couple of passages that I want to read to you, and then I want to talk to you about those passages. You know, Hosea is a a, a difficult book because, I mean, it's it, from, from my mentality, I have to say it is a strange book. Because Hosea was called as a prophet to the nation of Israel. And, and he, he had a, a, a message to bring to God's people. But, but the way he did it, uh, and you find in the book of Hosea, was, was extraordinary. It's just mind-boggling. He, he took a prostitute as his wife to say to the children of Israel... You are prostituting yourselves. You are prostituting yourselves by going to other gods, the gods of the culture, and worshiping the gods of the culture. 
You, you have prostituted yourself. You, you have committed whoredom. And I was, that, that was hard. And then he had children. <laughs> and by the way, do you know what he named his children? Let me just give you a couple of the names of the children that, that, that he had. Uh, the, the children were called, one of them was called No Mercy. Now, can you imagine the self-image of that child? <laughs> Another child was called Not My Children or Not My Child. Can you imagine the self-image of that child? I mean, he named his children No Mercy and Not My, not my People. And, and so you wake up every morning, good morning, No Mercy. <laughs> How's No Mercy doing today? Huh? Hey, hey good, good morning, Not My People. How's Not My People doing today? Can you imagine the self-image problems, the psychological problems that must have been with those children? But he named them that because that was indicative of God's people. They'd cut off the mercy of God. They'd cut off their relationship with, with their father who loved them so very much. And yet, Hosea was not a prophet like Amos. Amos was a prophet who, who was hellfire and brimstone. I mean, it was doom, nothing but doom. But Hosea, his name, by the way, means salvation. Salvation. Hosea had a message of hope. Now, he did not discount the situation and the circumstances in which he was living. But he came with a message of hope. He was more in the line of, of the prophet Jeremiah, who was the weeping pro prophet, a prophet who was compassionate. And, and, and Hosea had compassion for the people. Yes, he, he saw, he recognized the situation. Now, what was the situation? The situation was very, very dark. First of all, there was a political situation. Hosea lived in the tragic final days of the northern kingdom in which six kings reigned within 25 years. Four of those six kings were killed by their successor. One of them was captured. Only one of those six kings had as his successor his son. And, and so there was, there was a, a terrible, these were the final days of the northern kingdom. It was, it was a tragic time politically, but not only that, socially. There was great social injustice that was taking place during that time. The rich were oppressing the poor in that day. And so there was great social injustice, not only political unrest and political tragedy, but social injustice. Thirdly, there was religious hypocrisy during that time. They claimed to be the children of God, but they were not living like the children of God. They claimed to be a people of compassion and mercy, but they were not living as a people of compassion and, and mercy. So there was great hypocrisy. The fourth thing was, and perhaps at the very root and heart of everything, was their spiritual situation. They brought the belief system of the culture around them, the culture in which they had moved. They bought in to that belief system. They, they, they went to the gods, the gods, and, and, and they were in an area that was very fertile, and they had a God of fertility, and they embraced the teachings and, and the, the belief system of those gods. And they became, in some sense, a worshiper 
of those false gods. Now, that was the situation of Hosea. That was the situation which Hosea began to prophesy and began to speak. His name means salvation. I think it would be good for us to read because he gives a summary uh, in, in the scripture, a summary of what, of, of, of what the situation was. So let me read to you from Hosea chapter 4 and verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge in the land. Now that was the real problem. He summarized what the problem was in the land. There were three things. No faithfulness. No faithfulness to God. No faithfulness to one another. There was no faithfulness in the land. The second thing. There was no steadfast love. There was no love in the land for God, for each other. There was no love. And the third thing, and the deepest thing, is there was no knowledge of God. They had lost their knowledge of God. Now, Hosea didn't just stop there with the problem. But Hosea presented the solution. And that solution is found and chapter 6, and verses 1 through 3. And that's where I want us to land this morning, and that's what I want to talk about this morning, is the solution that Hosea had in his day, because I believe the solution that he presented in his day is the solution for us today. And so I want to read to you from Hosea chapter 6, and verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, Come, let us return to the Lord. For he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live before him. Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. Now notice what Hosea says. There are three promises that he says that God makes to us. Three promises. When you read these promises, oh, I say, this is what we need today. These promises, oh, we need the promise of God for our generation, for this time, for these days of darkness. We need these three promises. What are they? The first thing is, he says, he will heal us. <laughs> Man, we need healing. We need physical healing. We need emotional healing. We need spiritual healing. We need God to heal us. There is a plague in the land. There's a plague that is spreading around the world. It's, it seems like, you know, and, and, and by the way, I grew up with suffering. When, when I was 10 years old, I remember my dad uh, and, and I were at home, and my mother, I don't know where she was, my mother and brother and sister had gone out of town somewhere, and it was just my dad and I there. And I remember one night, we were asleep, 
And my dad began to groan. My dad began to say, Sammy, you need to call your mother. You need to call your mother. Something's wrong. Something's terribly wrong. And I called my mother and I said, Mom, there's something wrong. I don't know what's going on with Dad. And, and, and she and my brother and sister immediately came home. And, and we brought my dad to the hospital. And the next 10 years, my dad suffered. My dad was in the hospital for I don't know how long, a few weeks or so. And one day the doctors called the family together and they said to the children, your father will not live through the day. As a 10-year-old boy, I, I, I just didn't have a clue what was going on. I've just kind of been in a state of shock. I remember, and you know, we weren't a religious family. We weren't a, a church-going family. We, weren't, we, we didn't go to church in, in my home. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember going with my mom and dad. But uh, somehow they knew a preacher it was an old country preacher where my dad grew up in southwest Louisiana. And, and they got a hold of that preacher, and a few hours later, that preacher showed up at the hospital. And that preacher went into the, came into the room, and he asked us as a family to leave. And so we all left the room, and he stayed in there. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I really don't know what happened. But for an hour, he was in that room. And when he came out of that room, he said this. He said, your dad is going to live. And he did. He lived for 10 years. And, and here I was just a kid. I, I didn't know what was going on, but all I knew was that just kind of stunned. But for the next 10 years, my dad suffered. Remember one full year he was at the Veterans Hospital outside of Alexandria, Louisiana. And... Uh, you know, it was almost like a single-family home. He was home some, but when he was home, he was sick most of the time. So I, I grew up with suffering, and, and, and suffering, you know, a lot of people have a problem with suffering. I never had a problem because for me, suffering was, okay, this is a part of life. This is, this is a part of the way life is. You just have to deal with it. And, and I kind of grew up with it. It wasn't anything spiritual about it. It was just, okay, suffering's a part of life. A lot of people today just say, I don't understand the suffering. And I have to say to you, I, I don't understand it either. I, I don't know why we suffer. I don't know why nine out of my ten friends are in ministry who have the COVID virus. I don't know why my friend who loves God so much, why his wife died, why his son is, is in a serious condition. I don't understand all that. I just know this, that God, is the one who will heal us. I look around and I see homes that are broken. I look around and I see families torn apart because of politics. I look around and I see so much hurt, so much brokenness in our world today. And I know one thing, God is Jehovah Rapha. God is our healer. He is the one who can heal our spirit, our emotional hurts, our physical bodies. God is the one who is our healer. So he says that he will heal us. But a second thing he says, after two days, he will revive us. 
He will revive us. Oh, listen to me. We desperately need revival in the church. We need to be revived. I know, listen, I have friends who contact me and, 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 and said, Sammy, boy, we're struggling in our church because all of the coronavirus and, and we're online and we don't know what to do and all of this and it looks terrible and there's only a few people who come and, and, and we're out to doing all of these things. Oh, I want to tell you what, this could be a time in which God sends revival to his people. This could be a time in which he revives us. He has promised in the dark days of Hosea that he will revive us. And then the third thing is he will refresh us. Look down in verse 3. It says, let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. Wow. He says, and I, you know, living here in San Antonio, it's real easy for your grass to get brown. But when the rains come, all that brown grass, dead, dry grass begins to come to life. And, 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 and there's a refreshing in the earth. And what he's saying is, listen, I will refresh your hearts. I will refresh your soul. I will refresh your spirit just like the rains refresh the earth. So God promises three things, three wonderful, extraordinary things. He promises to heal us, he promises to revive us, and he promises to refresh us. But now, there's one thing. With every promise of God, there's always a condition. And there's only one condition. You know, it's, it's not a complicated deal. It's not a, something that's, that, you know, a formula that you've got to figure out. And if you don't do this just right and you don't do that just right and you don't cross every T and dot every I, then it's not going to happen. No, no, no. That's not it at all. It's very, very simple. There's only one thing he says in the, in the condition. And what is the condition? Verse 1, come, let us return to the Lord. That's the only condition. Let us return to the Lord. There must be a returning to the Lord. Now, now let, let me just look at that word, return, Lord. Okay, those are the two key words in that, that condition. Return to God. Return to to the Lord. That, that, that's the key thing there. Returning and to God. So, so let's look at that for just a moment. What does it mean to return? Well, the implication is, first of all, you've already turned. You've already turned to the Lord. You can't return unless you've turned. You see, I, I believe one of the problems we have in the church, we've got a lot of church members that have never turned to the Lord. Never, never, never had this, this, this moment where you turned away from the direction you were going and you turned to God and faith in Jesus Christ. There must be a turning that the Bible calls this repentance. Repentance. The, the scripture says in the book of Acts, repent 
and be baptized so that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. There must be a time. You see, I believed in God. I believed in Jesus. I was even a member of a church. When I was in junior high school, what we'd call middle school today, a friend of mine, pastor, he's now a pastor, Truman Herring, he, he came and shared Jesus with me. He talked to me about Jesus. He said, Sammy, I want you to come to our church. We're going to have a, a, an evangelistic meeting with a great evangelist and, and, a, and a great athlete who's going to give his testimony. And I knew the athlete. He was my hero. And so I went to church. And, man, I listened to this guy get up and speak about all the trophies he had won. Didn't mean as much as one cup of coffee to, to, to what Jesus Christ meant to him. And then the evangelist got up, and he preached a message, and he invited people, said, if you want to know Christ, you come, and we're going to pray with you right here. And then I said, wow, that's what I want. And I went down to the front of that church, and I said, that's what I want. And the pastor said, would you like to be baptized? I said, whatever. You know, yeah, I guess so. And he said, all right, sit down, fill out this card. I sit down, I fill out a card. That night they dunked me in some water. But you see, I never turned. I never turned. I became a church member, but I never turned. There's a difference and being baptized, there's a difference in filling out a form, joining a church, and turning to God. Now, I want to tell you what happens when you turn to God. It is absolutely amazing. You see, I, I walked out of that church the same person. I walked out of that church, and for the next several years, I lived for myself as my father went through the suffering. I didn't know what to do because I was in the situation I was in. I didn't know what purpose in life I had. I didn't know what meaning. I found myself going astray, doing things I knew were wrong, having attitudes that I knew were wrong, became very arrogant, very proud. One day when I was a university student, my girlfriend's father strongly encouraged me to go to church if I wanted to see his daughter. And they were having another evangelistic meeting, just like the one I went to when I was a kid in junior high school. And I went to that meeting. Again, an evangelist stood up and preached. Again, they asked people to come to the front and pray. And, and, and again, I walked down that aisle and I went to the front of the church, but this time something different happened inside of me. I turned from the way I was going, and I in faith turned to God through Jesus Christ. And I want you to know what? I have never been the same person since that day. I was changed. Now, that does not mean that I was perfect. My wife will tell you that. But I was changed. I was changed. And from that day until this day, I've been on a journey. And do you know what that journey is? It's what we started off with. I've been learning, growing, following Jesus Christ, trying to become more like him, trying to know him, pressing on to know the Lord. As Paul said, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. But now, you see, I found a purpose. I found a purpose. It was twofold. First of all, love God with all my heart, and secondly, love people. Love God and love people. Now, when I first turned, I was so far away from that. So I had to grow. 
I had to grow. And, I, and, and, and it's been a journey of 55 years now of growing, of learning to, to grow in Christ. And I can tell you that, that since those early days of my life being changed, I'm far different today than I was those early days. And I'm far different today than I was even 20 years ago. Because, you see, I've had to learn to grow. Now, this is what happens. This is what revival is. Revival is a breakthrough in our lives when God does a work in us so that we are placed back on that path of growing in the image of Jesus, learning to know him more and more and more and more. And it's a lifelong process. You see, we never get to the place where we, we are totally like Jesus. But what we are doing is we're growing. We're learning. We're growing in his grace. We're growing in his knowledge. But I have discovered this all through the Christian life. There are times when we settle in and we get satisfied. We get satisfied with where we're at. Hey, when I first became a Christian, hey, man, I'm not doing those things I used to do. I'm, I'm cool. But God had to do something. God had to break me. I had to go through a period of brokenness so that he could grow me more. And when I went through that period of brokenness and I had to come to the end of myself, and when I came to the end of myself, then I was able to grow and become more like him. You see, there are these times where when we have turned from the Lord and we're walking with him, and then we kind of get comfortable. And when you get comfortable, this is what happens. You begin to pick from the gods of this world. And you say, oh, taste this berry. It's good. Taste this fruit. Man, it's good. And, and, and so you, you, you get caught up in, in whether it's wealth, whether it's fame, whether it's immorality. And what happens needs to happen is you've got to return, return to the Lord. And, and there have been many times and, 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 and that I've had to go through this experience of being broken before God and returning to that intimacy with Him. Because you see, it's not just returning, it's returning to the Lord. It's not returning to a system. It's not returning to a program. It's returning to God. It's coming to Him. Coming to know Him. Grow in Him. Let us press on. Let us press on to know the Lord. And so we return to Him. We return to Him. It's a returning to Him. The last, what I would call, and by the way, I believe God wants us to do this daily. He, he wants us to, he, we can experience daily revival. But I think we come up against times and seasons in our lives where we need, where we need a great breakthrough. And those are what I call the, the, the seasons of revival, the seasons of refreshing in our lives where God revives his people, where God revives us as he promised he would do here in Hosea. And the last major, what I would call major season of revival took place for me 
when I was diagnosed with cancer. And <laughs> I can tell you that I am here today physically because of my diagnosis of cancer and what God did in my heart. I can tell you that spiritually I am where I am at today because of that diagnosis of cancer and what God did in my heart through that diagnosis of cancer. In fact, uh, you know, uh, I had a sort of a pre-diagnosis and my blood work looked like there might be some cancer and, and I, I thought, no, come on. I mean, you know, I'm working out, I'm doing all these things and, and, and surely I don't have cancer. And I asked the doctor, I said, could, could, the, could the blood work be wrong? He said, yeah, it's possible. I mean, no, it can happen. If you want, if you don't trust it, we'll take it again. I said, okay, let's do it. We took it again, it was worse. <laughs> and then I had to go get a biopsy. And when, when I went to get my biopsy, I had my quiet time, and the Lord spoke to my heart. It was interesting because I was reading, I, I read in the Bible daily, and I was reading the Bible from Hebrews chapter 12, and, and I was reading chapter 12, verse 1, and one word jumped off the page. And, and that was run. It says, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every sin and uh, thing that so easily clings to us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And the word run jumped off the page. And, and I just felt like that day, th that morning when I went to get the, di the, the diagnosis of what the biopsy was, I felt like the Lord said to me, Sammy, I want you to run. And uh, I'm going to teach you about knowing me through running. And, I, and I'm talking about physically running. <laughs> and uh, so I went in, got the diagnosis, and the diagnosis was cancer. And um, I knew what the Lord was saying to me, run. <laughs> I, I had surgery. Before the surgery, I thought, well, I'll, I'll get in shape kind of before the surgery because the surgeon said I needed to lose some weight. And so uh, I uh, said, I, 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 I'll run. God's told me to run. I went out and ran one day and developed plantar fasciitis. <laughs> I don't know if you know what plantar fasciitis is, but it is a foot malady that you can't run when you have plantar fasciitis. So I couldn't run before the surgery, had the surgery. It's three months after the surgery before I could then do any exercise. So I had all this time, and I remember after having the surgery and I came home, the Lord spoke to my heart, one word, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. You be still and know that I am God. God. And I knew what he wanted. And those next three months, I have to say, up until this point, 73 years of life, those were the best three months of my life. All I did was read the Bible. I kept my Bible by my bed. When I'd wake up, I'd read the Bible. The doctor said I needed to get up and walk, and, you know, I was injured. I was injured and I was walking carrying an old bag around. <laughs> I was injured walking carrying this catheter bag around. And, 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 I, and I remember I put on my earplugs and I began to listen to my worship music. 
And oh, I begin to worship Jesus. And oh, as I worship Jesus, the presence of God flooded my soul. The presence of God filled my heart. The presence of God revived my spirit. And the presence of God healed my body. Today, I'm so thankful that I had cancer. Because it was in the cancer, it was in the suffering that I met God. Now, I'm not trying to say God sent the cancer. I'm not trying to say God sent the coronavirus. I'm not saying that at all. I am saying in the midst of it, in the midst of it, let us press on to know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. Let us return to the Lord, and oh, when we return to him, what will he do? He will, he will heal us. He will revive us. He will refresh us. Oh, oh, I tell you, we talk about, and thank you, Pastor David, for sharing about what God did just a few weeks ago in May, but I can tell you this, I don't believe that would happen had I not had those three months with God. Those three months of meeting the Lord. It was out of this knowledge of being still, having God just shut me down. And you know, when, when this whole coronavirus spread, and I began to look, and around the world, I have friends all over the world. I have friends in Italy. When this thing broke in Italy, and it was so terrible in Italy, I called them. I said, are you okay? Are you safe? And everybody was confined to their homes. And I mean, this was totally new at that, at that time. I said, are you safe? Are you okay? I'm praying for you. Is everything all right? It spread through Europe. It came to the United States. It spread to South America. I was scheduled to go and preach in Rio de Janeiro in May. And, 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 and my Brazilian friend said, no, Sammy, do not come. Do not come. We'll do this digitally. <laughs> what we didn't know was that we would reach a lot more people digitally than we would ever reach in person. But it came. I believe it was a result of getting to know God. And I can tell you something. Listen, I, I, I believed in prayer, and, and I've written books on prayer and all of this. And, and, and I've, I've tried to practice what I've written. That, that's been a part of my Christian life because when I first came to Christ, when I first turned to the Lord, one of the first things I did was I started meeting with some friends in Baton Rouge right next to the state capitol, and we would memorize Scripture. We would read the Scripture. We would pray. We would seek God. And, oh, our hearts were so aflame for God. And, and, and I've never forgotten that. I knew that, that that was in the very foundation, the very core of who I am as a believer, that I needed to have that time with him. But I want to tell you something. After those three months, God brought me to a whole new level in my prayer life. God brought me to an entirely different place in my walk with Him. 
And you know what's happened? I've seen him move and work in ways in which I never dreamed or imagined. I would never have imagined in one weekend that I would preach to 15 million people. I never imagined that I would speak to one out of every 60 inhabitants in the nation of Nepal. I've never been to Nepal. I never imagined that. But it was in this returning to the Lord that I found healing of my hurts. I found healing of my spirit. I found healing of my heart. I found healing of my body. And by the way, as, as I've done research and I've done a lot of studies since then on, 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 on disease, and there are things that we can do, none of, all of us are going to die, by the way, from something. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not one of these, you know, you're never going to get sick type thing. We're all, we're all going to have something at some time going to die. But one of the things that I learned is that the best thing you can do, probably the number one best thing you can do for your health is exercise. Not everybody's able to exercise. But if you are, you need to do it. And, and, and you know, God said to me, run. And that's where the healing has come from. I, that's where a lot of the health that I've experienced since then has come from. God spoke to me out of his word and he said, run. Listen, I, I know I kind of jumped off on a tangent there, but I'm just saying that God has promised to work in us. He's promised to heal us. He's promised to revive us. He's promised to refresh us if we will only return. So I want to ask you this morning in closing, would you return? Would you return to the Lord? Come back to that first love. That, that place, that time where you, you loved him and he was everything to you. And, and somehow you've got off from this direction and that direction, whether it be political, social, whatever it might be, and you've lost sight of him. Would you return to him? To him. The intimacy with him. Press on to know him. I want to pray. I want to pray for you. And I know that there are many of you who are watching this on YouTube, Facebook, Alamo City Church website, wherever it is that you're watching this. Some of you are in other states. Some of you are here in San Antonio. Some of you are around the world. I want to pray with you right now that God would just do a work in your heart, that God would do a work in your life. And I want whatever you're doing just to stop it, just to stop it, put it down, and just pray. And just say to God, God, I want to return to you. I, I, I want, Lord, there was a time in my life when I turned, and oh, it was so wonderful. I met you, and you changed me, and there was an innocence and a purity of my love and devotion for you, and it's gotten so complex. I've let so many things in me that just don't please you. And so today, I'm turning. I'm returning. 
returning to you. I'm talking about something deep. I'm not talking about praying a little prayer and then going on off. I'm talking about letting God go deep and work deep in you. I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray for you and ask God to do a work in you. So just stop whatever you're doing and just pray with me right now. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for those who are listening to this message. God, for those with whom your spirit is resonating with their spirit, that they need to return to you. God, I pray you would go deep. God, I pray whatever it is that's gotten them off the path, disobedience to you, the way they treat other people, things that they've hidden in the secret places of their hearts. I don't know what it is, Father, but whatever it is, I pray that you would go deep in the name of Jesus. Go deep into their hearts. And Father, I pray you help them to return to you today. Help that man, help that woman, help that young person to return to you today. Work in their hearts. Why don't you just pray with me? Just, just pray with me right now. Dear Father, just, just call him. If, if you know him, he is your father. Just say, Dear Father, I need you. I want to press on to know you. And be honest. Say, Lord, I've lost my first love. I've lost my first love for you. But I'm returning to you tonight, today. I'm returning to you. And ask him, say, Lord, search my heart. Go deep in my heart and show me any Anything that does not please you that's in my life. Just ask him to do that. Say, search me, O God, and try me. The psalmist prayed that. You prayed that. Search me, O God, and try me. See if there be anything in me that doesn't please you. And Father, ask him, say, I pray that your spirit would prompt me about those things. That you would speak to me about those things. Just ask him. Say, Lord, search me and speak to me. And then ask him, say, Lord, give me the ability to turn away from that and turn to you. And right now, we'll just fall at his feet and worship him. Just tell him, I love you. I love you. I worship you, Jesus. You are worthy. You are worthy. I love you. And thank him. Say thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer... I want to encourage you to do a couple things. Sometime today, 
find somewhere to get alone, just you, just alone away from everybody else. And you just let that go deeper, okay? Just let that go deeper. Because sometimes in just a short moment like this, I mean, it's, it's great. It's a good starter. But you just, need to, you just need to find a place where you get alone, get away, and say, God, go deep. Go deep in my heart. Go deep in my heart. And, and let him spend some time letting him search out the things in your life. I, th- that's why the three months were good for me. I needed three months for that. Uh, that's how bad off I was. But, but let God just go deep in you, okay? So take, take some time. And, and, and just get away with God and, and let him go deep with you. The second thing is, if there's someone that you can pray with, you know, for me it's really helpful. Of course, God has blessed me with the sweetest and most wonderful wife, and, and we pray together, and, and we've had prayer together. And I would encourage you, if you have a spouse, if you have a friend, someone that, is a spiritual mentor, someone who is just a spiritual brother or sister that you can pray with, get with that person. Spend some time in prayer with that person. And let God do that work in you. And then the last thing that I want to encourage you to do is let us know. We'd love to hear from you. All you have to do is write in the comments, pray for me. Just those three words. We get it. Okay, we get it. Just type in the comments uh, there on Facebook or on YouTube or wherever you're watching this. In the comment section, just say, pray for me. Pray for me. And we'll pray for you. And there's prayer warriors. Like, like Pastor David said in the, in the introduction, let me tell you what. One of the reasons I'm a member of this church is because one thing I know about this church is it's a praying church. It's a praying church. And I've been a member here since the beginning, since the inception. Very, I, I'm one of the original members of this church. And, and I can tell you, I've walked into revolutions. I've walked in the aftermath of genocides. I've walked into war zones. And you know what? All the way through all of that, this church has prayed for me. They pray for me. And I am so thankful for that. And they will pray for you. There will be people who will pray for you. So just, just write in, pray for me, and we'll be praying for you. And by the way, one last thing. I'm, I know I, this is a preacher's worst habit, saying one last thing. But some of you, maybe for the first time, you need to turn. You don't need to return. You've never turned. And so today, for the first time, let, let me just pray with you before we close, okay? Let me just pray with you. Father, I pray for those who've never, never truly given their hearts to Christ, never truly turned. Maybe they're members of a church. Maybe they're not members of a church. Maybe, Father, I I pray, but Father, if there's never been that turning in their lives, I pray that right now they would turn from the way they've been living and turn to you and that you would transform their lives. I pray amazing grace would be applied to them. And now you just pray and say, Father, Father, I need you. Just say, God, I've sinned. Just be honest. Say, I've sinned. I've failed you. But say, I'm turning to you. I'm turning to your son, Jesus. I'm trusting in you. Take control of my life. Thank him and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you let us know. Just You can type in, I prayed. 
and we want to pray for you. We want to pray with you. We want to help you. So just type in the comments, I pray. You, you get alone, find some place where you can just go deeper with God and let God do that work in your heart. God bless you, and uh, what a blessing it has been this morning. Thank you, Pastor David, for the opportunity to be with you.